everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Dad and His PC. I am your host, Trey Davis. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. And be sure to like, subscribe, comment, wherever it is you find this podcast and our socials. Uh, the socials are linked in the description. So on last week's show, uh, there were some pretty major announcements in the basically the non-video game front of PC gaming. And first up was that the Twitch pay splits. Again, that's still an issue raging on with with content creators as Amazon took the split from 70-30 for everyone to 50-50 for everybody unless you are grandfathered in and a major earner. So those of you in the six figures or more range for earners were still keeping that 70-30 split until after their first 100000 uh, then we talked about how NVIDIA released the RTX 4090 or is going to this month and the impact that that card is going to have on the entire industry um, as the entire 40 series comes out in October and takes the previous top tier uh, card, the 30 series, the 3090 Ti, and essentially deems it obsolete. Uh, and then finally, with uh, we talked about how with Saints Row basically coming out and there's so many more reboots and ports and, and Saints Row's sales being what they consider disappointing. They're not bad by any measure. There are a ton of games that would have killed to have the same number of sales that Saints Row did um, at release, but they aren't what they were expecting. We kind of went over um, why some reboots maybe don't need to be made in the first place and if nostalgia is enough to kind of get your fan base to or at least your assumed fan base to purchase it. Now, on this week's show, we've got, uh, which has been the tradition of the first of every month so far, is that I want to break down uh, the major new releases coming out on PC this month, uh, because there are some massive ones. Uh, not reskins, no reboots, no ports, full new IPs, uh, at least, or at least in the case of one, technically a, a reboot-adjacent game, I guess that would be the way to call it. Uh, but basically all new, all awesome. Uh, after after that, uh, the back half of the show is going to be devoted to something that's been affecting me as uh, basically an older player now, an older gamer, uh, that I think affects others out there as well that are about my age and have some pretty incredibly demanding and busy careers, but still want to and still enjoy playing video games. Uh, it's a, a mental health topic, and so if that's not something that you're interested in, I can totally understand ignoring the back half and just getting the info of of the releases and, and, and things coming up this week or this month. But, um, and you know, I'm not trying to be too cryptic, but that's what we call, you know, a tease of what to stick around for at the back end of this, this show. So, uh, let's kick things off, shall we, with the new games that will be costing me a ton of money this month. And, you know, there are a ton of games coming out in October, uh, just as there have been every month. But these three games, I think, are pretty much the ones that are going to be fighting for top of the charts, top of the concurrent player ratings, and uh, basically top of the sales charts. Although one of them is free to play. Uh, but for the most part, these are going to be the big three trying to get the most numbers this month to provide some sales data for their happy, happy business people. Okay, let's get right to it with the new major uh, releases for this coming month. So uh, the first big obvious new one is something that I was downloading uh, as, as I was recording this, which was Overwatch 2. And as I speak, they're now going into uh, maintenance as they try to do some quick fixes and some quick patches and fix things. But Overwatch 2 uh, came out <clears throat> on the 4th. And Blizzard's multiplayer team shooter is getting its sequel this month. And by the time you're listening to this... It will have already been out for three days. 
Um, you know, it is super hyped and and waited for as as it should be. Uh, albeit uh, there are going to be some massive gameplay changes. So first things first, this isn't so much a, a sequel as or at least the way they described it as a full on rebuild and advancement. Okay, so the way Blizzard was describing it isn't so much as this is part two as so much as okay we learned all this stuff with one now we're going to. Uh, provide kind of like a sidestep where it's a lot of reskins, a lot of new characters, a lot of new maps, but it's an evolution of the game uh, moving forward, right? So not a direct change or, or new thing. So at launch, it'll be free to play and provide the PvP multiplayer experience everyone kind of has has known and come to love. Uh, they, they plan to have PvE eventually, but that's a 2023 problem. So when that comes up, I'll bring it up on the show. Uh, season one for... Uh, play and gameplay and all that competition ranked uh, will also be released at game release uh, with new heroes, maps, skins, etc. for players to collect. Uh, the players complaining that if you've never played this before, you've got to unlock everything. Uh, the amount of time it's going to take to really unlock everything is negligible in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think one streamer talked about how um, if you are a brand, brand new player, you've never played this before, but you don't want to spend the money on the, the, the little add-on that they have in the store that will give you every character and a whole bunch of skins was uh, essentially a negligible amount of time. Like it's going to be a little bit of a grind. There'll be some stuff to do, but not all that much work. So even if you don't want to pay for anything and you're brand new to this game, uh, you'll be able to get everything eventually. Okay. Uh, Most importantly though, Overwatch PVP gameplay is changing right from uh, what it was to 5v5 format. Okay. The concept of uh, tank support and DPS are here to stay but with one less player on each team, which if I'm honest, I'm kind of happy about because uh, really does make matching up counter for counter important and not just picking this is who I main, right? You have to kind of start to get better and, and evolve with other characters. Um, and, you know, if you want to keep winning, if you want to be a selfish player, that's another thing. And granted, it's it's gaming on the internet, so everybody's selfish, but uh, it does make the countering and making the teams work be important. So that's also great. Um it's also uh, planning to follow the seasonal model so that, that we see with many games already. Uh, so every nine weeks, we get new content, new experiences as players, which is great uh, as far as from keeping the game getting stale. Because again, it is a repetitive game. It is a, it is essentially a reskin and, a, and an advancement. And so one way to make sure that we have new fun things is to provide seasonal content every nine weeks. Uh, that puts the season opening up, Dece- the second season opening up December 6th if launch and season one take off. October 4th, right? So um, the goal will be around early December that the next season kicks off. So at release, we're getting three new heroes. Uh, Sojourn is DPS high mobility damage dealer. Junker Queen will be our close quarters brawler type for tanks and apparently a mystery support hero. And uh, news from Blizzard says that uh, because again, I haven't been able to log in yet. So if this already exists and I haven't been able to look it up, well, then great. But uh, Blizzard said that they are aware that Overwatch's support class has a ton of problems and they want to put an emphasis on support heroes in the sequel's first year. So that's great. Um, I love playing support, but it was tough. And then now when you're playing 5v5, um, support classes get targeted even easier. And so having more support for the support is pretty big. Uh, there are plenty of hero reworks coming. Uh, but two of my favorites are getting much needed and much deserved changes. Uh, Orissa is getting a revamp to her M1. So it's now a uh, fast firing heat based weapon or cannon. So no more ammo. Got to watch the heat gauge, which is huge for her use as a tank and, and kind of makes way more sense than, than what her auto cannon had before. Uh, having that auto cannon that 
that dealt with reloads when everything else was energy-based seemed really silly and kind of short-sighted. Uh, she's shooting energy blasts, not ballistic ammo. Uh, her energy javelin, M2, now stuns and knocks back, which is great, but like other knockbacks, if the target hits a wall, it only makes things worse for them, so they get a little bit longer stun, that sort of stuff, extra damage. Uh, like D.Va, she has a projectile shield where she twirls the javelin to block shots up to a point while increasing forward speed, uh, which when combined with her fortify move makes her a deadly damage dealing tank again. Uh, being able to push a line and then get a temporary health boost, uh, heat negation should make Orisa lethal. Uh, her new ult sweeps in enemies and auto cues the fortify ability while increasing her damage output as well. So heat neg negation with damage increase, which that's huge. Um, and she gets anchored to the ground, so it's hard to knock her out of the ult. Uh, all in all, one of my favorites in, in the class has just gotten more fun. Uh, Doomfist is now a tank, and that's great, but I'll have to see what his rework looks like in action before I actually care. Um, so that brings us to the other uh, rework that I actually care about, which is Bastion, right? So Bastion's re rework may make me a Bastion DPS main again. Uh, his main weapon, M1, fires slower but has increased damage and no spread, making it a deadly heavy machine gun. Uh, gone is, are the tank ult and the sentry configuration, only to be replaced with a much more mobile bastion. Uh, his new configuration is called Assault, which allows him to turn into a tank for 6 seconds and reduces his movement speed, but now that minigun from the sentry okay, is mobile with infinite ammo. Uh, in his standard form, he gets a tactical grenade, which can bounce off walls and has knockback with decent damage if you're caught in the main portion of the blast. And best of all, he's become a mobile artillery platform for his ult. He can launch three artillery blasts anywhere on the map and deal hero killing level damage with each shell hitting for over 200 damage. Even the tankiest of tanks can die from a few well-placed shells. His ironclad passive will be needed more now more than ever. Uh, so for that damage reduction at 20%, uh, because he can no longer self-repair. So the ultimate tank killer DPS is back and better than ever, paired with any quality immobilization players or and anti-small mobile heroes, and you might have uh, an unbeatable team, right? Uh, the game from all looks is faster, uh, more team-based than ever, and focuses on team fights. Uh, the irony, of course, is the issues with support classes who will be dying faster than ever if teamwork isn't used, but all in all, uh, one of the best shooters in the world makes its first steps this month into a new frontier, and it should be fun and should continue to be one of the best shooters and team-based shooters in the world. Uh, also coming out this month at the end is the full release of Modern Warfare 2. Um, the full game, I mean, you know, it, players have been playing the beta for most of September to make sure uh, the release is flawless, and for once, they're being listened to about the bugs affecting gameplay. What do I have to say about the most popular game in the world besides what's been said before? You know, I hope those of y'all that like this franchise enjoy this one. I haven't played a COD game since the first Modern Warfare 2 was released. Uh, not the reskin. I mean, the original one from like 15 years ago. Um, you know, it's it's never been my cup of tea. I played it with my friends because that's what my friends played. But I, I mean, I, I didn't care when the new one started coming out. Um each open beta has had players updating Infinity Ward on issues like enemy visibility, third-person adjustments. Uh, they, of course, have plenty of bugs they hope to get, get the majority of fixed by launch, but all in all, the only thing that matters is that this COD is getting an anti-cheat for hackers with Ricochet coming to this title. It's not a perfect system, but it tends to work 90% of the time, which is what they're supposed to do. Rather than having 
zero anti-cheat at all and just saying that players to send gamer tags and we'll kick out that person in that ISP. Uh, no, the, the Ricochet system is a quality program and while hackers are always one step ahead and anything that makes them, but anything that makes them less frequent for the majority of fans is a welcome addition. Uh, the gameplay and everything else is the same, just better. So what can I say? Uh, what truly matters is the global implementation of this anti-cheat and if, if it is as nearly as effective as, as, as it's been in the past, then the game will be much more fun for even their most loyal fans and the casual players. Because the one thing about these games is that the loyal fans versus the casual, you always want the casual people in-game. Always. Because there are more of them than the obsessed and the loyal. So uh, having something that makes their experience fun and enjoyable for hours is huge. Right? Uh, now third, and to me, for at least for me as a player, it's second most important, uh, even over Modern Warfare, Gotham Knights. October 21st, I will disappear into a cave and join the Bat Family again. Uh, I'll, I'll probably even play through the entire Arkham series leading up to this uh, for nostalgia's sake, just to get in the mood for uh, my spooky season gaming. But Gotham Knights asks the question, what would you like to play as all the sidekicks rather than the big bad bat? Because that's what happens. Uh, based on the trailers and the information that's been released, Batman is allegedly killed in an explosion, and the Bat family take up the mantle uh, to battle the evildoers of Gotham City. Allegedly, this is a different timeline than the Arkham series, and the new Suicide Squad, uh, Suicide Squad game will be where the Arkham games kind of continue in that universe, but... All in all, uh, the game looks sweet. Uh, you get all three Robins and a Batgirl in this game. Tim Drake, uh, known as Red Robin in the comics, but is the Robin of this universe. Still fights with his bow staff and brain. Uh, Nightwing, Dick Grayson, the first Robin, is your acrobatic leader type who fights with his trademark Eskrima Sticks. Uh, Jason Todd is back from the dead and playable as Red Hood after he has been resurrected after his murder by the Joker. Uh, he's fully reconciled in this game with the Bat family, and he fights with his two pistols that fire non-lethal ammo. Uh, last, of course, is Barbara Gordon, who is recovered from her time as Oracle and being paralyzed, just like in the comics. Uh, she fights with Tonfa, which resembles a police nightstick, and she is the computer nerd of the group. Uh, like the Arkham games, stealth, open world, fast combat, and vehicles all make a return, with each character having their preferred methods of play. Jason Todd is a bulldozer, are, um, you know, full on let's let's go dirty fighter. Uh, Nightwing plays mobile and fast. Batgirl uses her tech, and Tim is the methodical one. With Tim kind of being the the one that, ironically, unlike Nightwing in this game, Tim being one that plays more like traditional Batman, right? Batgirl and Tim really in different variations of Batman. Batgirl is playing like Batman as if uh, he was more tech based. Tim is the one that plays more like. Uh, a traditional Batman combat. Uh, the devs promised this to be the biggest Gotham ever, which is insane uh, given what they put into Arkham Knight and the city, uh, Arkham City games and how big those environments were. Uh, they say it's not even a question of square footage. They say the layers and depths and verticality all play a part. So it's not just that it's big in square footage, but you've got to think of it in terms of above and below, right? Um, you know, the, the game is massive, which is awesome. Anything you see, you can probably get to. Uh, if you see it, it's playable uh, from everything we've seen. The scale based on the game tra gameplay trailers and everything we've seen is, is huge. Uh, lastly, costume, costumes, costumes. Uh, as of right now, the devs are saying that they plan 11 costumes that are each customizable for each hero at launch. 
who knows what will show up later um, later on as DLC or free DLC, which is pretty cool. But some of the costumes they've shown, like the look like a Shinobi one for Nightwing, all looks awesome. I mean, they, they're very well intricate. They are uh, completely redesignable, meaning you can set them up for colors that you want and designs that you like. So that's great. It, it provides a lot of uh, unique ways to make your heroes look as you travel on and fight the evil of Gotham. So overall, uh, the gameplay reveals have, have shown a fun, smooth game. Should provide Arkham fans with a taste of what they've been missing until that Suicide Squad game comes out. Um, but for those of you that were wanting to take on and and continue the fight in Gotham City, your game will be yours and, and your story will be will be there for you October 21st. So be sure to pre-order and, and get ready for it. Okay, so after the break, I want to bring up a, a topic pretty important to me, and that is focusing on mental health. And that I've noticed as the school year has progressed, which is significant, which is a significant increase in ennui and desire to play games, even though I really want to in my mind. And I think it has to do with my job, but not in the way you might think. And it, I think this is something that other game, uh, video game players in my age range deal with and don't even realize that it's something they, they're, they're dealing with. They, they kind of think they can just move on, right? It's not something that they, uh, you know, might even recognize in the grand scheme of things. So uh, when we come back from this short little musical interlude, uh, I'll move on to that and that will be the end of the show. All right, let's just jump right to it. So the other day I wanted to play Spider-Man because I'd gotten about to 50%. I'm at the at the big reveal with with his boss and and the transition into a new new half of the game, you know, or or I wanted to play Cyberpunk. I did buy it and had more than enough time free time to do it, right? Which is something that I generally don't get to say. It was one of those weeks and one of those weekends where I just had the time. Like it, it's one of those weird times that I'm able to do stuff like that. Uh, we didn't have a fall baseball game. I got home relatively early at around 6 p.m. and had soon after showered ate dinner and, and nothing to grade, no new lessons to make. I had a legitimate, unrestricted three hours before bed to play either game, and I couldn't bring myself to start either of them. And then it kept happening over and over, right? Uh, one day, I randomly led to another, led to another, and, and as I as I'm, you know, working on this rundown for the show and I'm, I'm kind of like looking over my notes, um, you know, the, the week before, you know, this new episode drops, I, I had a full eight hours to play on Sunday because I got the majority of my work done Saturday and I maybe put 45 minutes in total to playing Warhammer three in two separate playthroughs. So it's basically like 20 minutes here, got bored, stopped and then played again, played another 25 minutes got bored and stopped. And this has been happening over and over again for the last few weeks. And I remember it happening last year as well, but I couldn't kind of put my finger on the cause. And then I read an article in, in you know, on Twitter that was focusing on, you know, educators and, and the teacher. And that is my job. I'm a, a teacher and I, I also coach baseball. And uh, there's this, this thing, this concept called decision fatigue, right? Um, many of you are probably familiar with it, but defeat, de, for those of you that aren't, decision fatigue occurs when, when someone has to make basically the cognitive effort that comes with making a lot of decisions throughout a day. Okay, It takes a lot of effort to consider all the potential options and you know thoroughly think stuff through You know any decision that we make in our lives. And as a teacher, I make a ton every day. And, and according to research from the 80s and 90s, 
uh, teachers make roughly 1,500 decisions a day, which is roughly three a minute in an eight-hour workday. And I don't work eight-hour workdays with coaching. I wish I did. I wish it was that simple, right? My day tends to start at 5.45 in the morning, and then I get done with coaching in the off-season around 5.30. Um, if we have a fall game, I don't get home till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Got to wake up, do it again the next day, right? And I do this five days a week in the fall, six days a week in the, in the spring when the season's in. And with the advent of technology more recently, I think you know that number as far as decisions has climbed significantly. Um, we used a lot of technology in the classroom, so you have to decide how we're going to use it, how you're going to teach how to use it, and there's a lot of steps into that, right? So decision fatigue is also called ego fatigue by psychologists, and that's a, another portion of being a teacher that's exhausting. You have to constantly give to others and provide healthy quality feedback while making decisions on things all day for yourself and for the others in the room. You know, you combine that with a universal teacher shortage we're dealing with and in some cases without breaks. You know, I, I have entire I have a days during the week where I don't have a conference or a, a conference period or an off period. I teach basically from the start of the school day till the end of the day through through baseball. And, you know, that's a full nine plus hour days. And then on Fridays where we go, it's, we got a weird schedule, but basically I, there are days where I just don't have a break. Right. Um, and there are, there's two days a week where I do get a break. That's a ton of cognitive load. And, you know, this isn't a complaint, just something that I've observed because I'm, I'm trying to understand myself as I get older. And that kind of brings us back to video games, right? Video games are decision machines, essentially. Like when you really think about it, uh, a video game is a decision machine. Uh, you play something like Spider-Man, uh, and especially playing a game like Cyberpunk or Mass Effect, you know, RPGs especially, you know, they're decision machines. If Spider-Man in Spider-Man, it's deciding how to take down the baddies, uh, what things you're going to focus on during your playthrough to go collect, what costume, what powers. And when you're going to go tackle any of these things, cyberpunk, like most RPGs, uh, has dialogue options that carry weight and are based on your personality that you build. Uh, RPGs are literally from the beginning decision and consequence simulators. Just take a game like Skyrim, right? Um, I mean, even Skyrim, right? before you even play a second of cyberpunk, you have to decide your backstory, how your story unfolds, and how you're going to look, at least initially, Okay. Fallout 4, same thing. You know, your you're very beginning and opening of the game, you are deciding how you look with one of the most intricate um, design game character designers out there. And then from there, you jump into the game proper and you start your process on figuring out what kind of way you're going to play and who and what kind of character you're going to have. Skyrim, same thing. You pick what race, you pick all these other things, you, you figure out what your main skills are going to be, how you're going to fight, and then you start moving in that direction and you just keep making decision after decision. What mission am I going to have? What things am I going to collect? What, how am I going to handle this situation? So knowing all of that and knowing that decision fatigue can cause avoidance and decision avoidance and even isolation in some extreme cases makes total sense now to me uh, that I can't bring myself to play sometimes. Like I want to, desperately want to play. My brain is tired though and has to do the same thing again five days in a row. Uh, and I've always wondered if physical or mental exhaustion is worse. And I think they're just two sides of the same coin. Like I think 
asking that question of which would you rather be in like some philosophical debate, physically tired or mentally tired. It's just two sides of the same coin. It's just which, what are you willing to, to deal with, right? And what are you willing to just uh, move on from or overcome with, with terms of being exhaustion? And, and one game that, that I've been playing is Idle Champions on my PC, not, you know, not on my mobile phone, actually on the PC through the Epic Game Store. And I think it's because Idle Champions requires zero choices in all honesty. Like beyond just, you know, choosing what characters are going to be in line and, you know, traveling themselves um, across my screen and not really doing anything. Um, and I think that's because Idle Champions is, again, it, it's zero choices. You, you just click and the game runs in the background. If you have enough of, of what they call familiars or, or, or basically whatever, basically pets, the pets will click and advance their levels for you. That you won't even have to click the thing that levels up characters. They can you can all do it for you. You can even put somebody on to click their ultimate attack, so you don't even have to do it. You can just sit back and watch. Um, and yet, every time I want to play anything else, I click the Idle Champions game, the start the startup button. Even when I can't bring myself to play anything else ever, like I, I'm struggling to play want to play spider-man i'm struggling to want to boot up total war and i've got my own problems with total war uh lately you know that have started to creep up the more i've played it but i can't even bring myself to do it but i will start and play um idle champions or fallout shelter it's another game where it requires no decision making process whatsoever so that's been weird right um when then, which then leads to outright avoidance. Okay, so leaks and leaks into trying to choose something to watch on TV or streaming as well. I'm so tired, and I simply just want to not think or choose or decide on anything, and it's and it's a problem. Um, it's the kind of problem with games, right? We make choices when playing, and most really good games, most of the best games out there that exist, have a ton of choices you have to make. You know, those choices are the way that we get the sense of progression in these games. Um, even arena shooters like Apex Legends force you into making choices for weapons, perks, what style of play, movement around the map. So not even the most mindless game, which, you know, Apex Legends doesn't have the most strategy in the world. There's a, there's a strategy to it. Obviously there's a meta, but it's essentially find gun, shoot people, win game. It's most basic sense. Um, but you still have to make these intense choices that are that have heavy weight for your ability to win in order to progress and um you know the easiest way to even even something as as simple as just the cosmetic choices the millions of cosmetic choices that are in apex legends is another decision you have to make right um if i'm playing call of duty and i have to choose my loadout to best serve me that round or class it's just a lot of decisions i'm not Board. I mean, I've gotten tired of Warhammer 3 Immortal Empires, and that's because I have major gameplay issues with it now that I've played it enough to recognize these issues, but I'm not bored with it. Um, I don't find games any less fun. I enjoy the hell out of all of them. Uh, I love watching Twitch and streamers play as well. Even stuff that they've on YouTube where they've they're the videos a year old. Um, it's just like I subconsciously know that after a day of making all these decisions at work, I just don't want to make another one in my entertainment. So I can't even bring myself to do something that I love. And that's frustrating. You know, some of my favorite games, and I brought this up on the last episode are RPGs. I love JRPGs. And, you know, the thing about Octopath is that you make a metric ton of 
decisions in that game of different interactions and things that you have that have consequences. And I can't bring myself to hit load, right? I can't even bring myself to hit load on a game that I've played before and that I've played a lot of. So I know that a good chunk of these decisions that are going to come up, like I, I don't even have to think about them. Like take a game like Mass Effect, I'll, you know, I'll bring up the Mass Effect trilogy, um, the original trilogy. I've played that game and it's one of my favorite friends. I don't care how pe- much people hate the third game. I love game one through game three. I, all the DLC, all the characters. It is an engrossing game and it was. it's one of my favorites of all time. Far and away one of my favorites of all time. I know every decision I need to make to have the best endings for, ev- for every character. To have the best ending in the game. I know every decision I need to make. Um, and I don't have to think about these decisions really because it's just second nature. I know exactly what to click. I know exactly what to do and how to do it. And yet I can't, it, it, I, I won't hit start. I won't even play these sort of things because I'm essentially cognitively overloaded. And, and I know this has to be something that, that affects others because this has come with having this full-time job and, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher, I, it is a lot of work having to think about best ways to teach different kids. I work at a very big school with 2,600 kids at that school. I've got a, a, my, my group is 150 students. They're all different. You have to figure out the best way to reach them, the best way to get them to complete things, to see things the way you need to do it. And that requires a ton of cognitive load and, and creativity. And it is exhausting you add into that constantly having to be evaluated constantly uh dealing with um you know bosses and other people coming in to evaluate things so you've got to then think on the fly how do i best do this while also pleasing my bosses while also making sure that kid learns the way they need to because you know what the way that the bosses want to see it might not be how that child learns and it becomes this tug and pull all the time. And you have to be on all the time. I think the biggest headache I ever had was was the day we had the parent community day where I'm having to creatively come up with ways to praise even the lowest of the low students and how they're being successful and how we just need to turn a corner. And when you have to do things like that and you basically play a part constantly like you're you're playing a a person you're not really being able to be yourself you you have to be on what people say is being on all the time when you have to be on all the time and then you go into baseball and i've got to make all these baseball decisions and and run things and it's just a ton and you come home and and the only thing i truly enjoy as a hobby is video games and i can't bring myself to think about doing this like how do i want to do and i've i've done it where i'm playing I feel like I'm a zombie. Like I'm just, I'm just, it's moving. The game's moving. The game is playing. And it's just, it's just background noise. And that shouldn't be what I'm getting out of my favorite uh, hobby. Like it shouldn't be like me having the Thursday night football game on in the background. It shouldn't be like that. I should be more engaged and more interactive. And I can't. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm, I've been playing more idle games. Because I don't have to think. I just have to react. I just have to do something. Uh, very basic and very simple. And, and I know I'm not the only person that, that deals with that. There's got to be other people that are like me, have these full-time jobs and have these, um, you know, jobs that require a lot of decision-making and they want to play and they can't bring themselves to do it. So, you know, there are a lot of ways to, 
adjust uh, with decision fatigue. I'm trying to be better at that. And I'm trying to make these adjustments in my daily life so that I'm able to enjoy the things that I enjoy more at home and in my off time. Because if I don't have these outlets, if I don't have an outlet like this with a job is as stressful as mine, uh, that's not good. I need to have these these outlets. I need to have self self care and and self mental health stuff that, that that allows me to normalize out and and not always be on and not be stressing out about the career. So. I, there's got to be others like me and I'd love to hear from you. If you ever get the chance, just, just, uh, message me on, on Twitter or DM me and, or email me, um, on the, e- on the email on the website. And so, you know, that's something I'd love to talk about and, and, and go over with people if, if that affects you, you know, I think that that's something that's there and that doesn't get talked about enough. And, and mostly because I don't think people know to how to identify it. And so hopefully this, this opens some eyes for some of you as well. Okay. So that brings this show to a close. Sorry to end it on, on such a, a serious topic, but I think it's an important one. Uh, I want to thank all of y'all for listening. And I kind of hope you continue to join me every week and, and continue to like, and subscribe and, and comment on all the other stuff. But again, I'm, I'm not your parents. I'm just a dad in his PC. 